You're listening to Sunset Radio, the Sailor's Radio Station. Hey there, guys, and welcome to show number two, and happy Easter to all the adventurers out there. This week, we'll be doing a wrap of all of the regattas happening around Australia. Can't wait to keep you posted, so make sure you stay tuned for plenty of updates. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl for Sunset Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. We're back on the air again this week. Thank you so much for joining me, even though it is Easter Monday, but I hope you had a fantastic long weekend with your family uh, or with your crew or skipper if you happen to be out on the water having a great time. As I was, I was competing in the Taser New South Wales State Championships at George's River, which is in Sydney on Botany Bay, and I had a fantastic weekend. I actually sat with my dad on the Taser, uh, Mr. Rob Douglas, so a... Uh, it's definitely a, a, a class that's very close to my heart, and I had a fantastic weekend out there on the water. Now, this week, uh, today, we're going to be catching up with quite a number of people, and hopefully I'm going to be able to stay within the time limit, but I'm probably going to go over, just letting you know. Uh, up next, we're going to catch up with Taser Sailors, who came up from Victoria, but they've also recently been competing in the Fireball Worlds in Thailand, so we're going to hear all about that little adventure. We're also going to, for the first time, get introduced to our kite surfing adventurer, Mr. Marksman. He is planning something absolutely out there. He's going to be kite surfing the entire west coast of Australia, which is pretty insane. Not only that, he's going to be doing it unassisted. Not only that, this is his warm-up for something even bigger. So you definitely have to stay tuned to hear about that one. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to be catching up with Darren Twirler-Jones straight uh, as he's finished up from the IRC Championship this weekend up in the Port Stephens region. And we'll also be uh, catching up with... Mr. Josh McKnight, previously world champion in the moth class on the New South Wales states that were held up at Byra. A fantastic lineup, and I'm sure you can't wait, just as I can't wait. Thank you so much for joining me. If you've just joined us, my name's Nick Douglas. I'm Adventures of a Sailor Girl. And today we're catching up on everything that's been happening over Easter with so many people in sailing who are adventuring all over the place and we have to live vicariously through them. Now, the next interview that I'm going to play for you is a, a little catch up with two people who travelled all the way up from Victoria to compete against myself and a lot of others in the New South Wales Taser Championships over the weekend. Fantastic to catch up with them because they've recently been in Thailand competing in the Fireball Worlds and this couple compete in both of these classes and get to travel the world basically which is a great experience so let's have a listen this is Heather and Chris this is Nick Douglas Adventures of a Sailor Girl and I'm here with you from George's River Sailing Club where we've just finished up the New South Wales Taser Championships and I've managed to grab Heather McFarlane and Chris Payne who not only sail the Taser and have come all the way from Victoria they also sail the Fireball isn't that right guys yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Pleasure to catch up with you. And you've just come back recently. We actually didn't know whether you'd end up coming to this regatta because you've just come back from Thailand where you did the, the Fireball World back in mid-March or so. Yeah, late March going through to early April. So, yeah, we'd literally only been home two weeks before we came up here or a week and a half. So it's been pretty intense going from a world championship and then on the road and up to New South Wales. So it's a great regatta up here. Indeed, true diehards. That's what we like to see. Now, a, a bit of um, a bit of information about the Fireball Worlds, maybe. Uh, Thailand. I, I did do a, a Taser Worlds with you over there in 2007, which was really good. And um, was it was it close to that venue or a bit further away? No, it was on the mainland in a place called Pattaya. Mm -hmm. um, so it's on the west coast. But we had the most amazing weather conditions there for the worlds. It was 
magnificent winds, warm water, warm weather, um, a an, an established yacht club. So that was different to when we had the Tazars in Phuket. Yeah. Um, and it's called Royal Varuna Yacht Club, and you know, great facilities there, lots of really helpful people. So yeah, it was um, a fantastic regatta. I think. What did you post on Facebook? Chris? Oh, look, I think it was the best sailing we've ever done in a regatta. Just wow. Because every day it was between 12 to 20 knots. And it was just, oh. just wearing a rashie and it was just fantastic. It's it was glamour. Just, it was glamour, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you had some fantastic results to start off the regatta, um, which, which showed you from, I think, in the lighter weather. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. we are a bit light. And so... Like we're weighing about 130 kilos and the other guys are probably about 150 and so in the lighter stuff we've, we've got a bit of an advantage and a bit more breeze is a bit more difficult so yeah. so we sort of slipped back a bit but you know, we did alright, we're, we're ha pretty happy with how we're going overall. Oh you did, you did fantastically, for those who may not know you ended up finishing fifth which in the world is nothing to scoff at at all, um, you know we did okay. <laughs> We beat the current Australian champions, that's always good. That's, that's, that's always a good little bell to get in the coffin. Now, what is it? You guys sail the taser quite frequently, but you're always going back to the fireball. What is it about that class that makes you want to come back for more? Oh, we love um, just pure enjoyment of sailing. The fireball's a beautiful boat to sail, yeah. so it's got nice giants, it tracks really well. It's actually more stable to sail than the Taser, believe it or not. Even though you've got you know bigger sail area with a bigger main and, and uh, a kite. So it's just an awesome, fun boat to sail. And, um, you know, we know, we've known people, we've been sailing the Fireball for 30 years. So yeah. especially going to the international championships, we've got great friends from all over the world and it's just fantastic to catch up with them again. So that was really good to see a lot of old friends in Thailand again. Sounds awesome. I'm jealous. Yeah, excellent. And, and you've come up for this regatta, not uh, the results that you're used to. You've been doing incredibly well in the Taser class. We've seen you in the, in the past few years track through to be expected to be steadily on the podium at state and national level. Um, but it is a good venue and it was such tight racing, wasn't it? It was really tight racing and, you know, so... So we finished fifth, hopefully. Yeah. Ten results, but um, but it was really intense racing between quite a few boats. So yeah. that was magnificent, wasn't it? Oh, it was intense. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I was loving it. That's for sure. But um, you, your plans coming up? Have you got another fireball regatta and or the taser? Or what what are you going to juggle over the next year or so? I mean, this year we got Bufferton, obviously the, the taser mm. worlds in, in January. And that's that's the focus now going forward. Um, the Fireball, we've got the next Australian Championship, well, the Australian Championship two years is going to be Lake Cathabra. I don't know if we've ever sailed there, but it's just north of Brisbane. It's, a, it's one of the best places to go. I've sailing. never been there. It sounds amazing. It's, it's a place that if you fall over, you can walk home. Oh, <laughs> awesome. It's shallow water, but it's, just, it's near the coast, and so you get really big sea breezes, and it's flat water, which the Fireball loves, and it's just, it's a really good place to go, and it's, I think it's going to be quite a big Fireball event. So yeah. that's our next Fireball National, or next Fireball event. And then the next Worlds in Fireball the next year in England and UK, and I don't think we'll make oh. that. And yeah, gross. Oh, come on. Sorry, any, anybody from the UK who's listening. The year after that is in South Africa, on the south coast of South Africa, and that, oh, that's nice. looking, mm -hmm. looking to be a really good venue. So I don't think we'll make that one, but you never know. We might. We might. We might. We might need to be a crew. But yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, it's been very tricky weather this weekend, and for mm. those who may not know, uh, Mr Chris Payne is... Uh, uh, P4G apps is your side business, I guess. Financially, <laughs> 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 an app I've developed, which basically pulls information in from the bomb and other other 
bits of data from other parts around that tells you what the wind is currently doing around Sydney in particular and also New South Wales in general. And it, it gives me an idea to find out what the wind is currently doing and, and seeing how that is against the modelling. And so it gives really get a better idea of what's going on around. So and like today it was really good when, when there was no... There was a bit of wind here at the Yacht Club and there was... But you could look at the, the data in the app and it's telling me there's nothing on the on the race course, nothing at Sydney, Sydney Airport, so there's no point in getting excited because they... Yeah, undressed. Exactly, exactly. We were postponed a little bit, and and everybody had a challenge over the weekend trying to predict what was going to happen because all the models were really struggling. But um, but great to know that you're you're developing that app, and and it's um and it's something good for sailors to have. It's did wins, so we'll have to share that on our Facebook page as well. Well. Well, I'm actually playing this interview tomorrow night because it is Sunday now. So, <laughs> but awesome, awesome as always to have you guys up here and, um, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon on the road to Bustleton. We'll have to do some training or something. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Vic. Yes, that was Chris Payne and Heather McFarlane. It was great to have a little chat to them. Very, very uh, distinguished sailors in both the Fireball and the Taser class. And I can't wait to see how they go at the Worlds in Bustleton. Uh, I guess now is the time to sort of let it out of the bag. But uh, for those who may not know, my, my father and I that I sail the Taser with, we actually managed to take the championship. So um, we, we won our fifth uh, New South Wales Taser state title over the weekend. We actually did it with a race to spare. We don't know how that happened because we were both ill going into the event. And uh, if, if you don't remember, my voice last week was a little bit croaky. So um, we're, we're really, really happy with the result. And I'd love to interview myself, but I can't do that. So it was good to catch up with Chris and Heather. And, um, and you should definitely check out his, his app, Sid Wins. Now, up next, we're going to be catching up with Simon Marksman. And he will be telling us all about his kite surfing adventure. It's definitely one to stay tuned for. Talk to you soon. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl. And I've managed to get Simon Marks, Marksman on the line because I've heard that he's planning some sort of a random adventure involving kite surfing. Hello, Nick. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd, uh, I'd just kind of keep you updated with our plans on um, on our big kite surfing adventure. Uh, yeah, what do you want to know? What do I want to know? Well, I first heard about this when you were over in my part of the world. You're actually in Perth at the moment. People might be a little bit distracted by your accent there. But, uh, yes, you are based in Perth and you are over this way for the JJs in March of 2014. And you started talking to me about this adventure that you're planning to do kite surfing down the west coast of Australia. Is that correct? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. It kind of starts off with, we're, we're planning on the kind of bigger plan, the future plan is to kite surf down the, the length of Brazil and get as far into um, Argentina as possible. And uh, yeah, the, the big Western Australian kite surf adventure is kind of a warm up, a preceded to that to kind of test our test our kind of materials and and our kind of plan but i guess these big kite surfing trips have kind of been going on for a few years now people have kind of have been doing these big trips but i guess ours differs a bit to that because we're going to do it unsupported the plan is to basically set sail and uh yeah go go kite surfing and, and be able to be self-sufficient for up to you know several weeks and just uh just do our own thing and, and not really need to rely on anybody as we go. So what you're saying to me is that not only is kite surfing down the west coast of Australia not good enough for you, uh, just going kite surfing on a daily basis is also not good enough for you. <laughs> You've got to take it to another level. Is that what you're saying? 
That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's a friend of a, fr- a friend of mine and myself. We've kind of lived it, and we're like, oh, we just want to, you know, we just want to do something a little bit different, something that's potentially not really been done before, or it's been done before, but maybe to not to this kind of extent or scale. Yeah. We just want to, you know, push boundaries a bit, and you kind of we frequently do downwinders, so to say, where you just set off on your kite and go as far as you can in one day and, you know, you kind of cover 100k or so and it's good fun, it's, it's a good laugh. But we kind of, you get to the point where you're like, oh, well, what will happen if we just kind of go as far as we can, we end up in the middle of nowhere, you kind of camp overnight and then the next day you, you carry on. So that's the, that's kind of our idea, the kind of brief of our mission and we just kind of, yeah, we're going with that. I'm going to see see where it takes us, really. Sounds pretty amazing, and I'm always one to get on board with an adventure. I can't help it. I get slightly addicted. Now, you were more of a skiff sailor before you fell in love with kite surfing. What is it that makes you want to do these day trips, let alone doing an overnighter? What is it about kite surfing? It's it's really taken off in the past few years. Yeah, I guess I guess I got into kite surfing like really quite a long time ago, probably about maybe 12 years ago now. And yeah, like you say, skiff sailing kind of forty uh, niners mostly, and and skiff uh, kite surfing was always just a bit of fun, just a mm. you know a bit of entertainment, and and you know I've always loved it, and my kind of my passion for it's kind of waxed and waned depending on what's been going on in my life. But if I'm if I've been sailing a lot, I barely go kite surfing. But now I've kind of left my full time sailing years behind me. I've kind of I've looked into kite surfing as something I do for fun at the weekends, and I don't know. I guess I guess it's kind of taken that level of just doing it for a weekend and going away with mates and having a laugh. Is to, you know, can we go away for, can we go away for a week? Can we go away for a month and and have a laugh at the same time and yeah, and see how far we can go. I guess that's awesome. And, and some people may not know your history in particular. You were involved with skiff sailing at quite a high level uh, with the UK Olympic team. Uh, so you know what you're doing. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people don't actually know what you're doing. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> so you know what you're doing. What are the similarities? I mean, I've never actually tried kite surfing, but is is there crossover? Any, any sailor kind of, yeah, you've got that wind. The wind awareness and the sea awareness is all very kind of transferable. Um and also, you know, your knowledge of, of weather systems, you can kind of see, you can kind of see bad weather coming, you can kind of preempt things, you can predict things, you, you know, you kind of, the more time in the ocean you kind of get, the more familiar you become with it. But I guess that's pretty much where the similarity ends. I mean, other than apparent wind, which in skiff sailing, a lot of that's about, and, you know, good kite surfing, good technique is all about, you know, being able to build speed and, make your own wind and kind of go with it and I guess that's that's one one thing that's, I kind of see. That's the biggest carryover. Yeah and, I'd say yeah. And other than that just taking uh, y- your character of, of sheer hooliganism and taking it to another level. Now you're saying that you're going to do this trip completely unassisted. What what does that mean? I mean yeah, what, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about you know some people I've, I've sort of mentioned this to a few people when I was trying to work out exactly what it meant. Does that mean that you know you do it some people thought maybe that means you don't stop at all, or you know, what? What does unassisted mean? If we put that in inverted commas. <laughs> okay, unassisted. Well, I guess the stopping, the stopping is an absolute necessity. You can't kite surf. <laughs> you, you can't kite surf just like you can't windsurf or do anything, or even sail a dinghy non-stop. I think you would die. Um, <laughs> yeah, at some point you probably would just die. Um, 
Yeah, no, the idea of unassisted is to be able to just go pick a start point and our our test will be from kind of um, Augusta, the very kind of south of Western Australia, and go up to um, kind of Kalbarri area. Wow. And the idea... The idea of doing that unassisted is, yeah, like like it's like it says, no outside support. I mean, we'll we'll have GPS equipment, we'll have the ability to contact the outside world and and you know ask for assistance if if our lives depend on it. Yeah, we, we kind of we're very much kind of keeping safety at the forefront of this. You don't want to, you know, as much as much as we want to have fun and we want to push the limits of kind of exploring with a kite and we don't want to end up dying. Well, maybe maybe so, this is where I should insert a little disclaimer. For those listening, don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah. Leave it up to Marksman. <laughs> we take no responsibility. Yes, uh, we, we might go to a song. This is Hello by the Cat Empire and we'll come straight back with Marksman for more on his awesome kite surfing adventure. This is Adventures of a Sailor Girl. I'm Nick Douglas. Stay tuned. Walking down the street with some evil in my eye And some thoughts in my head that were making me feel high On oh, my head was a hoodie in my ears was some bass I was walking by my dog when I saw that sexy face come towards me With a little cheeky smile if she was a foe I pick her up and dial the fire brigade On zero 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 she stole me my tracks and said I'm a hello hello Sleeping in the sand with some dreams in my head That were causing an extension to the tail and my bed And the waves were revolving like the curves on the slates Like that sweet beach pillow with a centerfold spread In the midst of the slum I heard some footsteps are creeping And I woke to discover the woman I've been dreaming She knelt down beside said, can I share your pillow? I rolled over and I said, well, hello, hello And some like the houses with the rooftop spires And some like the gossip about some rich sugar daddies But me and my friends will like the golden brown honeys And some like watching people living on TV That's a little strange if you're asking me Cause I like to read and laugh and f***ing play down All these other things I know Well, hello, hello Now we're back with Marksman. Our kite surfing adventure is so much to hear about. 
He's planning to cut surf the entire coast of Western Australia and then take on South America. It's an insane adventure. He's Marksman. <laughs> I guess I guess our biggest challenge in Western Australia is going vast distances without fresh water. Like yeah. it's really weird. You're gonna from where I'm from, you know, water's probably, you know, it's it's a it's a concern but it's you know, you can always work around it. But here I guess you die a bit quicker if you don't have water. I'm making it sound probably more melodramatic than it is. But That's what we is, need. We need the drama. Yeah. We, the idea is we can we can be able to make water en route. You know, we can we can pull over, we can camp, we can eat, and we can, you know, we can we can make water. And if if the wind doesn't turn up the next day, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. We can just camp out another day. You know, mess around. Get yeah, get stuck into our rations, our supplies, and you know, you know, have a water maker, or what have you, with you, and yeah. and just kind of and camp, but. The kind of main issue with our with our plan is is to be able to keep everything lightweight enough and and be flexible enough that we can then you know we don't we're not lugging too much equipment because that's the real thing we're up against is is hauling loads of kit across the ocean which is our kind of our logistical nightmare at the moment which yeah. is kind of what we're battling with at the moment and kind of running through a few prototypes of of, of ways of kind of, of dealing with that issue. Wow, a, a lot of people don't realise the amount of planning that can go into um, a trip like this. I mean, I'll, I'll take an example that I know of, like offshore racing, the amount of work that goes into creating food for a crew that you can cook on the boat for a long haul race, including rations, you know, enough, um, you know, enough water, etc, etc, etc. And then this is taking it to another level because you're going to be towing it behind you, wearing it on your back. Uh, you know, you've got to tow it all yourself. It's man-handled, so I can't even imagine how you're going to do this. But I can't wait to follow on. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, that's what we're. We're at the moment. We're just kind of. We're two guys. We're hanging out in the garage a lot, and we're we're building things and we're testing them. We're taking them out in the water. We're working out what works, what doesn't work, and we're talking to. Um, we're talking to people all over the world. Actually, we've met like the, you know social networking. The, the beautiful thing it is, we've met people. We met people in Finland, and you know we kind of uh, online and been sharing ideas. And these guys, these guys have been towing stuff on ice for years, and you know they've they've done a bit of towing stuff on water. And there's other guys out there we're drawing inspiration from who've who've basically kind of like a much rawer version. They've just gone kite surfing and with a backpack on the back and they've pulled over at the beach and slept inside their kite overnight you know oh, wow. and they've, they've done that for a few days and and kind of traveled that way which is which is awesome which is kind of our inspiration the, the guys that have kind of gone before us and, and done this stuff and you know we're just trying to pull together different aspects and, and see what you can like they say towing something behind us is one of our kind of our main things at the moment and it's also it's everything we do is also kind of planning in worst case scenario what what happens if there's a big storm comes in or all of a sudden the wind shifts offshore and it's blowing 30 knots and we have to down kites or what if we're 10k offshore for some reason like we're crossing a river delta and and the breeze just cuts out together and our kites fall out of the sky you know and we kind of we're having to deal with these things and and try and work around, you know try and think think of worst case scenarios and think of ways of of working around them before you know at concept level before we get too far down the road we don't want to get all the way down the road and then then start worrying about worst case situations and kind of the way we're planning it is okay you know everything we do is about you know 
on a trip that could take months, you know, the worst things, worst things likely are going to happen. You know, we will get a, we will get a bit of a storm come through. We will get, you know, wind just die on us. So we're just trying to work work around these problems now, kind of at the planning conceptual stage before we kind of, you know, trips us up later on. Right. I, I kind of wish this was TV because my eyes have just been getting wider and wider and wider and wider. <laughs> and I was quite silent there for a long time, which is. This is rare for you, Yeah, this doesn't happen for long. I feel, I feel lonely out here. I'm very sorry. It's just amazing. I, I, I can't wait to follow on. Now, you are going to let me follow your journey, aren't you? We are. That's the plan. That's yeah. the plan? You're gonna, Excellent. You're going to be with us. Oh, yeah. yes. I can't wait. I am, I'm very excited to follow this on. And I think you're planning on doing your test run in early next year at this stage. Yeah, Yes. plan. Yeah, an Australian summer next mm. year. So we're kind of testing testing our equipment this winter and making sure everything's kind of uh, kind of geared up for it. And our yeah, we we the start of the trip may be a little bit supported by a, f- a few people just to make sure that you know kind of theories are working. And, yeah. You know, it's, and then and then hopefully kind of yeah break free and and go from there and kind of go into the the wild the wild west of Australia as you get further north. Amazing. I guess. Once you get past Perth, so from the very south, you get past Perth and you get Geraldton. And then then after that, you've, you've actually got a lot of kiting. You've got, you know, you can kite a day without really seeing much. So, yeah, you can probably kite two days without seeing anything. So it's going to be quite interesting. Oh, unbelievable, though. I can't, I can't wait. I just, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit speechless. It's very exciting. <laughs> and if that all goes well, then you have to start thinking about South America and all the challenges of that. Imposes as well. It's just unbelievable. Look at yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> you got a big grin on your face. I'm looking at. I'm, I'm watching him on Skype. Everybody, he's <laughs> got this massive grin <laughs> on his face. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's the first time we really spoke about it. In fact, only a few a few friends know about it, and they've they've seen the things we've been building in our garage and. They're kind of wondering what we're doing, and they're asking. They also don't really understand. Like they don't understand boat building as well. So yeah. you know, we're kind of we're kind of building plugs to make molds of certain things, and they kind of they just don't get it. So <laughs> it's it's quite interesting to yeah, kind of actually speak to somebody who has maybe more of a, a concept. A concept, to, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. definitely have to chat about the construction a little bit later on. I don't want you to give away all your secrets, so we might have to save that for next time. But I have to say thank you so much for sharing this with everybody and. Uh, we're all going to be living vicariously through you, that's for sure. <laughs> You're welcome, mate. Anytime. Excellent. That was uh, Mr. Marksman coming to you from Perth, and I can't wait to stay up to date on everything that's going to be happening with his kite surfing adventure. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and I've managed to catch up with Darren Twirler-Jones on uh, the rare occasions that he's actually in Australia. How are you going, Twirler? <laughs> Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Awesome to call. <laughs> no worries, I have to catch up with you when I can. Now, I think you're up in uh, Newcastle, aren't you? Yeah, we've just uh, finished off uh, um, the uh, IFC Frame Championship, um, and just before that we did the Sailport Seven. Fantastic. Which was the New South Wales State. Amazing. And, and you're on Patrice. Uh, what class of yacht is that, uh, Twirler? Yeah, Patrice. Yeah, it's a Kerr 46. It's a new boat. Uh, they're a, well, they're sort of a semi-production boat built out of, uh, McConaughey's in China. Mm-hmm. And this one's, uh, was commissioned by, um, uh, Tony Kirby from Sydney, uh, CYCA boy. Wow. 
And, um, yeah, this has sort of been probably about now four months in the development process and uh, you know, just finished up here in Newcastle. And, and in the development process, you're not actually doing too badly, are you? I think you managed to finish up second overall, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, it was a really good result for us. Um, you know, the boats, as I said, like the boats still in development. Uh, after this, it'll go in the shed for, you know, for a few small mods and, uh, and upgrades. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sail development, rig, everything's still, still all underway. But, um, you know, we'll bring it back out again for Southport and then Early Beach and, uh, the rest of the Blue Water series leading up to the Hobart race at Christmas time. Amazing. And you're going to stick with that crew, Twyla? I'm sorry? You're going to stick with Patrice leading into the Hobart? Yeah, yeah, like it's a, it's a team, uh, like it was, it was, I came on board probably, um, after the boat was in the water to help Tony out just, uh, on the development side of things and the team sort of evolved since last November or so. They did the Hobart race, had a few problems and didn't finish, but, yeah. um, since then we've done Geelong and uh, a few Sydney regattas and now obviously Port Stephens and Newcastle and, um, it's all coming on pretty well. And I think the, the basis of the 13 crew on this boat will pretty much stay together through to, uh, through to the Hobart Road. Fantastic. And you're a bit of an adventurer twirler and, and you haven't been on Adventures of a Sailor Girl before, but, uh, for those who don't know, you're an excellent trimmer and you're excellent, excellent at boat setup. What is your role in the Patrice team at the moment? Well, I actually do uh, tactics on this boat, um, sort of a bit of a management role and mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's coming together really well. Fantastic! And uh, and you're heading out again today. You're heading back overseas, so we've caught you just in time. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm on a on a, I'm, on, I'm in the car in about uh, half hour's time down in Sydney. I've got a rig set up to do down at uh, the CY, and then on a plane back to South Australia uh, for a couple of days, and then back to the US for an event over there. Gosh, you, you get around, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you frequent flyer points adding up, but um, oh, it's okay. It's good. I love it. It's really good. You know, it's, it's exciting. You know, you get to sail a lot of different boats, a lot of different people, and you know, the learning curve is uh, never ending. And and that's why we stick in this sport because we we never know everything. <laughs> <laughs> never ever. <laughs> never ever. <laughs> you always meet someone who knows more. Now you're heading over to Key West. What are you going to be sailing over there? Is that on on the Melges? You're quite active in the Melges fleet at the moment. No, we're actually going to this next event's actually in uh, Annapolis. Yeah, the Melges has been um, over the last season or so quite uh, quite active with a Swedish team I was sailing with, and then with uh, an Australian program as well, which has finished up for this season. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm actually heading over to Annapolis just for a one-off event with um, Rod Jabin on a fast 30 called Ramrod. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so one design event. And yeah. I don't know, I think they've got about 200 one design boats there from oh, wow. sort of, uh, Vipers to J70s to fast 30s to all sorts of things. You'll, you'll have to give me a wrap-up on that one. That sounds amazing. And you're definitely not a stranger to the fast 30, so... Uh, hopefully you do well as well. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. It's starting to get a little bit chilly here at times, so hopefully it'll be uh, summed up a little bit by the time we get there. A little bit warmer over there. They can have their cold snaps as well. So um, so what's 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 after Annapolis then? Are you coming back for a little while or are you off to Europe? <laughs> uh, no, back to Australia uh, after that. Um, I'm actually going to do a little bit here now with the advent of, um, of this uh, new boat of Tony's. I'll yeah. probably do quite a bit of sailing here on on this program, but um, I've signed up again to sail with uh, Martin Hill and his estate master team. So we've got three events oh, in the US, um, the first one in Santa Barbara, then San Francisco Big Butt Series, and then culminating in the Worlds uh, coming up this October. 
so much going on, Twyla. I don't want to look at your diary. <laughs> it's exciting. It's really good. It's really be good exciting. With yeah, yeah. No, it is good. That's that's excellent to hear. Now we probably better let you go. But just before we go, now Bo Jess took out the IRC chance up there at Newcastle over the weekend. How are they going as a crew? They've been a, a new boat on the scene only for about oh, oh just over eight months, I guess. Yeah. How, how yeah. are they looking? Yeah, look at. That look, they're really good, you know, it's a great team, um, really experienced, uh, you know, full professional program with, uh, you know, probably one of the best IRC boats in the world. So, yeah. you know, for us to give them a little bit of a run for their money in both events, um, you know, it was exciting, you know, it, it's exciting for this style of boat to, to, uh, to, you know, give those sort of really top-notch 52s a bit of a hurry up. That's awesome. It's good to hear you excited about it as well because... Uh, given that you're you're going from class to class and boat to boat, if if you're staying motivated, then it must be a really good team. That's really great to hear, Twilla. <laughs> yeah, no, it is good. Thanks. No, that's awesome. Now I better let you go, but you better catch up with me after this this one design regatta in Annapolis. I want to hear more. Will will do. I'll be around. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Twilla. <laughs> Josh McKnight after he's returned from Byra for the Moth New South Wales State Titles. How are you going, Josh? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty tired. No, no doubt. I'm tired too. <laughs> Just saying. In, on view water this weekend, that must have been quite a challenge because, as we know, the weather was not uh, as well, as what was predicted. But lucky we got a sea breeze yesterday. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, we we're pretty lucky. We sort of hung around for most of the day, waiting for it to fill in, mm -hmm. and uh, we're lucky to to actually get some racing off in the end. Um, I think we were pushing the time limit for the last start. So. Wow. I think I think we were similar. Our PRO for our last start went for a black flag straight off the bat. So, um, was your PRO as, as mean as that? Uh, not not quite as mean, no. But uh, yeah, I, we we're just pretty lucky, I think, in the end to, uh, to get that last race in because that's what it came down to for me. Oh, excellent! And you did manage to take out the win. Congratulations! Big congratulations for winning the New South Wales uh, state titles. Have you won it before, Josh? Uh, yeah, I won the last ones as well. Excellent, excellent. And, and for those who may not know, you did win the Worlds, uh, not last, not the last Worlds, but the Worlds before that as well. So you're quite an accomplished moth sailor. What is it that keeps you coming back to this class, Josh? Because I know you do sail quite a, a number of other boats as well. Um, I don't know. I just like, you know, going fast. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool to go upwind doing 16, 17 knots um, and then, you know, downwind doing close to 30s most of the run, so it's fast racing, it's pretty pretty close racing as well, um, and you can be pretty aggressive with the boats, so that's what I like about it. Excellent, and especially if it came down to the last race, so who were you, who were you up against for the title in that last race, Josh? Uh, Dave Lister from St George, okay. he builds his own boats, you know, just runs different gear to almost everybody else in the fleet, but he goes about a knot quicker than anybody else upwind, and a couple knots quicker downwind, so... Uh, yeah, when the breeze is up, he's super quick. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And and so the moth is is still a development class, and and obviously then it's not getting to its design limitations, Josh. Uh, no, we're always finding new ways to go faster or higher or lower, and yeah, we're just always developing new gear to uh to try and improve improve the boats and make them make them better, and, and find ways to spend money. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, or not so excellent for those who can't keep up with the ball game, that's for sure. Now, um, you, how many races did you have in the series, Josh? Uh, we had a full 10 races. Wow, in three days? Yeah. That's intense. We, we only got eight races in, that's fantastic. 
And, um, and any strengths in your sailing in particular? Was there any condition that you felt more comfortable in? Um, it's quite quick when the braces up. So we had, uh, I think the second day of the championship, we had six races uh, on that day. Um, and he just dominated that day. Uh, I think he won five races. Wow. Well, you, you can't really uh, compete with weight, but is there anything special that you do in the breeze that you, you want to let slip, uh, given that you are a bit smaller? Uh, just pull the controls on harder, flatten the sail, hike a little bit harder. Hike a little bit harder. All, all the general stuff, not so specific to moths. Now, this uh, moth uh, states has just finished up. You did do the Worlds in Hawaii last year as well. And I know you've been doing quite a bit of yacht sailing recently. What's up next for you, Josh? Uh, just waiting for my new moth to arrive, really. Um, and then uh, also going to do a bit of McConaughey 38 sailing. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, looking forward to that. It's pretty hard to, uh, to calibrate from, you know, the tactics on the moth, and then you go to yacht sailing, and you're like, oh, yeah, we should tack here. And then you realise that <laughs> you're only doing seven knots up wind. So. And the boat's just a little bit longer, and it all takes a little bit longer to do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, what, what uh, McConaughey are you sailing on, Josh, and what's your position? Uh, hooligan. Uh, I'm a trimmer. Okay, excellent. Uh, what's coming up for you with the MC38? Uh, we're just going to do all the lead-up regattas, uh, hammo, all that sort of stuff, and um, then leading on to the Worlds in uh, New Zealand. Wow. And when are they? I think they're in November. I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% on Not 100%, that. so sure, but they are this year. That's fantastic. Uh, are you going to head to Hobart this year, Josh? Bit of a bit of a uh, yeah, no, I, I haven't had, uh, I haven't spoken to anybody about that. I haven't had any offers, so we'll just see what happens. Um, but it does, does sort of uh, clash with the training for the Moth Worlds, given uh, the Sorrento Worlds. Uh, I think I start on the sixth of January. In, so. And they're yeah, they're in Sorrento, and the, but there is a Worlds before that at Hailing Island, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah. so there must only be six months between that Worlds. So your Moth program coming up is quite intensive. Uh, yeah, it's pretty intensive. Just you're sort of working with Scott Babbage at the moment, trying to work out what training we want to do, what gear we're going to test, and uh, sort of when we're going to go sailing. And you did mention that you're waiting on a new hull. Is that a Mark II as well, or have you gone uh, to a different hull now? Yeah, yeah, brand new Mark II coming. Okay, excellent. And have you decided what foils to use? Are you using standard, or are you going to experiment? Um, well, I was using a very standard uh, Mark II package on the weekend. Yes. Um, Borrowed boat uh, from Mark Healy. Okay. Um, but there's there's always new foils coming out. There's always new gear coming out. So you just gotta just gotta buy it, test it, and see if you like it. And keep up with the ball game. I do know in Hawaii, I, I think the top three used some experimental foils, and they did quite well. But they they were quite uh, different conditions to what was expected as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens for you at Haleg Island. Yeah, we've sort of uh, come to the realisation you've always got to expect the unexpected and uh, we sort of developed our gear around 15 knots plus and uh, we did not get that sort of ever, yeah. uh, which is quite painful. <laughs> I know, they always say, what's that saying? You know, that it's never like this around here, but for some reason that happens everywhere you go. So <laughs> maybe we need to, to work out a, an algorithm for, for regatta venues that works out exactly what the opposite of the expected weather is and prepare for that. Thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, great to catch up with you, Josh. I might try and catch up with you um, after the MC38 Worlds are around about, so it would be interesting to see what ha what's happening. And we'll have to keep track of you leading into Hailing Island as well. But all the best, and congratulations again on your New South Wales state title. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No worries, Josh. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Sunset Radio. We've managed to catch Chris Edis, who's just come back 
from Lake Illawarra, where he sailed in the NS14 National Championships. Chris, how was your weekend? Ah, uh, yeah, it was pretty good, thanks, Nick. Excellent, excellent to hear. Now, how many boats did you get? I'm sure that you got a few more than the Tasers. Uh, yeah, we got around 56. 56, awesome numbers. We only had 37, so a good, a good little fleet there. Yeah, yeah, it's um, not quite as big as a couple of other years, but definitely had plenty of competition, so it was good. Excellent. Now, um, you, uh, you mentioned that the racing was quite tight as I was talking to you over the weekend. This is this can be unusual for the NS14 class because it is a development class and there can be a lot of speed differential, but you mentioned that the racing was really close. Uh, yeah, um, I think definitely up the top there's definitely a few people um, coming through now and it's uh, great to see a lot, of the, um, a lot of younger guys are finally learning how it's done, so slowly catching up to the more experienced guys, but still lots to learn. Still lots to learn. Uh, I think there's something we could always learn. We spoke to Twirler earlier in the show and he, uh, he is at the top of his game and mentioned that he doesn't know everything yet. So definitely lots to learn. And, and you've definitely been one of the movers and shakers in the fleet since I've known you. I, I know that at your, the first nationals that uh, you sailed when I met you, you were outside the top ten. And now you've worked your way all the way up to fourth. And then you finished fifth at this States, which is fantastic to see. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a really good result uh, with the competition that was there. So I'm really happy with fifth. And I think the competition at this state maybe was a little bit tougher than nationals? Uh, yeah, a lot more people were able to come to the New South Wales states just because of location and cost and gain to the event and everything like that. Mm, yeah, the NS14 seems to be one of those classes that hugs the eastern coast of Australia, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a bit. So where are the strongest fleets at the moment for the NS14? Um, it's a bit hard to tell. We're all a bit spread out and we all just sort of jump in when we can. Uh, it looks like Cronulla's building a really good fleet. Um, Connell's Point also has a few boats turning up on a weekly basis, and um, Byra is pulling a few boats at the moment as well. So. Byra! Oh, little Byra, it seems to be having quite a bit of sailing happening at the moment. It had the moth states this weekend as well. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, we, we spoke to Josh McKnight earlier in the show as well, so great to catch up with him. Now, the NS14 and the Taser, a lot of people think that they're very similar classes, but it's, uh, it's not the case, is it? Uh, no, no, it's not. They, um, they definitely came from the same sort of idea model, but they've definitely gone in different directions over the last well, few decades now, I guess. And what is it that, I know that you've sailed the Taser and the NS14, what is it about the NS14 that you prefer to the Taser? Um, I guess it just, it feels like a smoother ride in the boat, you feel a bit closer to the water, you feel like you're more in the action of it, um, rather than sitting a bit up, a bit, a bit more buoyancy in the Taser, which just makes you feel like you might not, you might be going the same speed, but not quite feeling as Not feeling it as much, because yeah. it does have that sort of skiff hull shape, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. With it the flares. It definitely glides a bit more and get, makes it feel a bit more action-y. Yeah, they, they are good fun. I've sailed both as well, and I've, I've been lucky enough to be your crew on occasion. Uh, and, and they are beautiful boats to sail, but I think the main difference in the classes, we spoke about the, the coming through, uh, with, it, with it being a development class, you do have to change your gear a lot of the time, don't you? Uh, yeah, um, at the moment it's been pretty steady over the last few years, it's more developing the technology that we have on board, um, but it's, yeah, there's definitely a bit more um, modern technology, I guess, in the way of development, developing it into the carbon era and everything like that. And, and you've changed a few things, uh, even recently you've, you've changed, to the, uh, changed to the Barracuda sails, how has that affected your performance? Um, the, well, this weekend was actually the first time we put the Barracudas up with competition. We'd sailed a couple of weekends uh, just by ourselves with them up and they were going well. We just didn't know how they'd go against the fleet. Um, but it was, they went fantastic and uh, big, I think they definitely helped with the big jump in speed. 
and um, I think we were pointing about 10 degrees higher than everyone else in the fleet. So Wow, good to see. Is that, your, your boat, uh, which was built by Thorpey, has always been a, a, you know, a bit of a steed demon, but with those sails, maybe now you're able to match it with the big guys. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, definitely uh, different styles of sailing, but uh, just trying to find the best of both worlds at the moment and try and get the best the best speed that we can. And find the groove. So uh, who actually took out the title on the weekend, Chris? Um, Peter V took it out again, um, once again. Uh, he managed to win it with a race to spare. So. Seems to be a bit of a legend in the class. How many states has he won now? Um, not sure how many states, but he's definitely up to around 11 nationals. Far out. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely we're closing on him slowly. He only managed to win one out of the six races um, this regatta, and there was a different heat winner and there was four heat leaders out of the six races, so only two people managed to back up their first. So. That's, that's fantastic to hear. That's always a good sign of a competitive regatta. Now, uh, you don't just sell the NS14, you sell a number of other classes. What else has been happening for you this season? Um, my other biggest one is the Spirals, I guess. Um, sailing around them, sailed in them since I was about 14, so just sort of keep, keep those ones going for the major regattas. And that's a single-handed boat, so a little bit different to sailing the NS? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, definitely find it difficult changing between the two, definitely with communicating to the extra person. Uh, sometimes that's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> so which one do you prefer? Do you have a preference or you like them for different things? Um, I think I like them for different things. Um, definitely the NS is a lot more for the speed and um, the competition just is faster moving and uh, you just have to think about different things on the course when you're going those different speeds with the other people in the boats. and the different tactics and course sure. configurations and everything else. So what's in the future for you? I know that you've mentioned um, the MOF, you knew that that was at Barra. Is that something that you're aiming towards? Uh, yeah, I'd love to definitely give MOFs a go. They look like a fun fun and fast moving boat with something different on the foils. Um, I think it's just one of those classes that's very hard to get into with the, um, the price. They're also a development class, so it's definitely um, a very expensive boat to jump into. Um, which is the biggest hurdle I'm finding that for anyone really trying to get into, the, into a class like that. Yeah, it, seem, it seems to be that way with, with sailing in a lot of ways and I think that's possibly why people stick to the classes that they grow up in because you've got that developed knowledge already. Yeah, agreed and usually you, um, you wind up with a boat from your youth, from your parents or from sailing with friends. Um, but I think jumping class, particularly once you've moved out of home and halfway through university, is definitely a, a hard thing to do with the, the student funds that's <laughs> definitely making a challenge. Yeah, because so. how old are you now, Chris? I'm 22. 22. So you're only about oh, three years out of being a youth, essentially, and you've already got your eyes set on a moth, so that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had my eyes set on a moth since I was about 14, <laughs> but yeah, I've been saving up since then and still don't have the cash to, uh, to manage to purchase one just yet. But. Well, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, thanks so much for catching up with us, Chris. Great to hear what's happening with the NS. So, there are always a bit of friendly rivalry between the Tasia and the NS, but we, we love each other, really, and a lot of people do jump between the classes. So, fantastic to catch up with you and everything that happened down at Lake Illawarra, and hopefully we can catch up with you again soon. Yeah, definitely. Show number two. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me. I know we've run a little bit over time, but we had so much to cover because it was Easter. Again, I hope you had such a fantastic Easter weekend with your family or your skipper or your crew if you were out and about on the water. Uh, I just want to uh, have a little bit of a shout out to all of those uh, Taser sailors that might be listening. And uh, thank you so much to all of you for such a great weekend of racing. It was an incredibly tight regatta. Uh, it came down to second, third, fourth and fifth, I think, down to the last race. And... Um, 
it was fantastic to see even that last race. It was about eight boats wide at one point and I didn't know what was going to happen, but we ended up taking that, that win. But And uh, a big thanks to my dad, Rob Douglas, for um, the 18 years that we've been sailing together, which has been a little bit fantastic. That's one of my own adventures. And uh, it's just fantastic sailing with him. I'm a very, very lucky daughter uh, to have been born into such a wonderful sport that has given me the opportunity to have so many adventures uh, with some fantastic people, which is what sailing's all about. A big, big thank you to all of the guests that joined us today. A, a quick wrap in case you didn't join us. From the start, we had uh, Heather McFarlane and Chris Payne. They had a bit of a chat to us about the Fireball Worlds, which were in Thailand. And uh, they also came up to the Taser States that were held over the weekend at George's River. Great to chat to them. Also caught up with Simon Marksman, um, who we will be catching up with a lot in the future as we follow him on his adventure to kite surf the entire west coast of uh, Australia. And just as his test run before he goes and kite surfs the west coast of South America, which is just insane, we also caught up with Josh McKnight, a former Moth World Champion, who just took out the New South Wales State titles up at Byra. We also caught up with Darren Twirler-Jones, who came second in the IRC. And Chris Edders, my interview, I didn't actually ask him how he went, but I know how he went. He came fifth, which is the best result that he's had at an NS14 States, uh, which is fantastic to see as well. Beautiful development in, in that class. Great to see how much sailing went on on the weekend. Awesome to hear about all of these adventures. You're listening to Sunset Radio, the sailor's radio station.